This is Soccer Pilgrim, the podcast dedicated to soccer and travel, where each stadium is shrine and its fans delay people. For the traveler, it is another culture to explore. Welcome to the Soccer Pilgrim podcast with Jason Kim. Three, two, one. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Soccer Pilgrim. I'm your host, Jason Jisoo Kim. And today's episode, I am here with another Manchester United fan, uh, a friend of mine from university that... I didn't realize he was a, a football fan until I think after he left university. But anyway, and I'm with Heishal. So what's up, Heish? How's it going? Hey, not bad, man. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Uh, so wait, when did I learn? When did you leave Concordia University? Because I think that's when I realized you were a football <laughs> fan because of like some Instagram post I put or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that, that's funny, actually. I, I do like talk about like our kind of like, um, you know, like our relationship, I guess. That's like, we were in a couple of classes together, I think, but then we didn't really actually like start talking to each other outside of yeah. uni. Yeah. Until like I left essentially, which is kind of funny when you think about it. But like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, I left. I left. Uh, well, I moved to Toronto in 2016 January. Okay. So yeah, yeah and I graduated Concordia. Like, uh, what was my convocation? Was like in October, so I graduated that summer. Yeah. Wait. What? classes that we had together i don't remember it must have been some policy <laughs> yeah some policy class thing. yeah yeah yeah. it would have to be yeah it, it definitely has to be a policy but um yeah. it was funny because like, yeah i mean like you know we we i think we got like mutual friends and stuff and like obviously yeah. within policy there's like you know the what was it seventh floor eighth floor like that's always bumping kind of thing so yeah the hall yeah. building um yeah it's, it's funny because like when i when i saw you you were quite vocal in class and i was like oh that's another asian guy that's vocal in class i'm like all right this is cool <laughs> <laughs> i was like i'm gonna get along with this guy <laughs> nice yeah but uh okay let's get into it so yeah you're manchester united fan and it's yeah. it's highly unfortunate and my, <laughs> my first question is uh how do you th- okay well actually before we get to that before we get to what's going on now uh how did you become a manchester united fan Right. You know, I grew up in, in Jakarta, essentially like in, in Asia in, in the 90s, because mm-hmm. I was, you know, I'm old. So I, you know, I remember vividly the 90s. Yeah. But um, yeah, so the, the Premier League was, was massive back then, right? Um, and, uh, and obviously in the 90s, who was dominating was Man United. So, True. you know, like a kid, you, you ask a kid, you know, you, you don't have an answer as to like, oh yeah, I like them because of their football or like because of their philosophy or whatever. It's like, oh, this team is winning. Hell yeah. That's my team or whatever, you know? Yeah. And obviously it helped that like they have, they had people, we had people like Beckham mm-hmm. who, you know, as a kid, you're like, Hey man, that guy's handsome. He's with the spice girls. Like, hell yeah. That's <laughs> yeah. my guy. <laughs> so you true. Know? Yeah. So um, obviously that got me into it and it, also helped that like my dad worked for a french company for like a, the longest time mm-hmm. and he kind of put me on to cantona oh okay. um yeah so he right. was like yo check out this guy he's cool and like you know obviously like looking at that as well it's kind of like oh man everyone's colors are turned down and this guy is up this is cool yeah you know um and actually like thinking back like what's the first game i remember the first game I remember was the United Liverpool game. Oh, big game. Um, yeah. And, and the, the, the thing I remember, because I remember this because the, the, I don't actually remember the game. I remember watching it, 
<laughs> and I remember I, I was going to watch it because the memory that I have in my mind is of me and a friend in a convenience store talking about the game uh, leading up to it. Because mm. we were like, you know, when this is your kids, you want to like um, flex your knowledge or whatever. Because you'd be like, oh, yeah, the, both teams are red. How are you going to uh, distinguish them or whatever? Mm. It's like, well, you know, United wears white shorts and Liverpool are all red. So like that's pretty easy. And then my friend went, well, that's that's um, that's not good enough. Like I can tell um, just by the shirt sponsors. And I'm just like thinking back, like that's so dumb. Like, you know, there's <laughs> obviously away shirts and things like that. But yeah, yeah. yeah, so I do remember, you know, obviously Robbie Fowler was still with Liverpool. I think even John Barnes played in that game. I think I remember mm-hmm. the score being 3-1. Um, I don't remember who scored or like what the game was like, but things like that. But yeah, that was my first kind of uh, memory of the United game. And was it because whatever the result was, you became a United fan just because, as you said earlier, because like they were the best team in the league. But that, did you feel like that game kind of solidified, like, I'm about this team forever? not so much that game that it's it's then it's um if it was if it were you know the solidifying i would say you know it, it's as cliche as it sounds it's the 99 game um uh the, you know the treble the, the yeah the treble the treble year um okay. so a little bit of a context is like my parents are very strict agent parents as right. you might also have experienced <laughs> yeah. so even though the games were on the weekend they were past 9 p.m in jakarta Oh. So um, there were some games that were like 8.30 or whatever. So, But if it's past 9 p.m., I can't watch it because it's past my bedtime. But then that season, for some reason, my dad was feeling lenient. So mm. I watched a lot of games. I watched the game against Tottenham, the last premier, uh, the premiership game. Right. That we won 2-1. Andy Cole with a touch, with a chip over Ian Walker. Great finish. Um wow didn't really watch the FA Cup one because Newcastle weren't very good, even though they still, they had uh, Shearer, they still weren't very good. And I was like, yeah, we're going to win that, whatever. Yeah. Um, and I actually had missed uh, the first half of the Champions League final because Champions League um, is normally like mid-week, um, right? And um, it's usually around uh, the middle of the day kind of thing. Okay. So this the middle of the day in 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 North America that is. Yeah. So in in Asia it was like at three a.m. Oh wow. Okay. Um. But yeah, and again, for some reason, my dad decided for the second half to go in my room and wake me up. And he's like, "Hey, the game is on." I was oh, like, what, wow. what game? And like the Champions League final. Your team is playing. I was like, "Oh shit. Okay. Yeah. I woke up." And then, you know, it was was 1-0 and we were losing and Bayern were dominating that game. And it was like, I was like, why did you wake me up for this? You know, I don't (laughs) want to watch this. But then obviously, you know, the first, the first corner, the goal went in and it's like, okay, Mm. okay. It was like, you know, because it was 3am and he's like, okay, just don't be too loud. Woke up mom, woke up the whole family. It's like, okay, okay, cool, cool, cool. Then the second corner and then went in. I was was like, I screamed and I I stopped for a second and he's like, Go do it, do it. Be happy. And I was like, well, yeah, you know, it was it was amazing, and that was that was it kind of thing. And you know, funny enough, that was another that was one kind of like I guess mm-hmm. cherished memory I have with my dad, who, you know, Asian Asian dad, you know. Yeah. Uh, so that was, but that was great. 
Um, and yeah, from then on, it was kind of like, so 97, I was, what I was, no, sorry, 99, I was 12. Okay. So yeah, from then on, I was kind of like, you know, uh, a young teenager kind of thing. So started again, getting into it a little more and a little more. And as teenagers, you try to find, you know, an identity, right. And like having a favorite sport team and, you know, football obviously is massive in Indonesia, even though we're not very good. Yeah, um, or not good at all. <laughs> it is still kind of like the you know the most watched sport. I mean, like Juventus has Indonesian language in their on their website. Like that's one of the choices really that you can choose because because of that because of the presence. Oh, um, I forgot to mention another big league in the nineties was the Serie A. Yes. Home. So yes, I uh, one of my uh, favorite players of all actually two of my favorite players of all time played in Serie A. The one is uh, Phenomeno. Ronaldo mm. and the other is Zidane. Yeah. Uh Ronaldo and, was at Inter at that time, right? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And you know, I when I was a kid, like uh, my I had uh my ins my um like uh what what do you call the sharp teeth that's like beside your front tooth? Oh uh incisors? No, yeah. not incisors, so my, canines, canines. My canines, yeah. My canines yeah. didn't come in until later. So I had like front teeth that were just like there and, you know, it was kind of like, and Ronaldo had bad teeth, you know, and yeah. it was kind of like, you know, this guy is cool and he has bad teeth. Like it doesn't matter kind of thing. Like I'm still, you know, <laughs> you felt empowered in that way. In a sense, in a sense, kind of, you know, this was like kind of representation before, you know, it was even kind of like a, a, a discourse, a social discourse. Thing, you know? It's a weird representation, um, but okay. <laughs> yeah. You know, for sure. Um, but uh, you know, like, and and he was great. I, I do remember the game um, when he was at Inter, and mm-hmm. he just broke down. He tried to do some stepovers, and his knee gave out. Yeah, and yeah, and I I do remember being really sad, and I was like, man, like this guy, like. And thinking back, obviously back then I didn't like you know didn't didn't really think about the nuances of like oh someone's gonna get injured, like we're robbed of like one of our greatest players ever of our generation, kind of thing, if not of all time. Yeah, but like thinking back, that like that's kind of I felt like was the fears, like you know what could have been kind of thing. Like yeah, you know, man put up insane numbers even with those injuries. Still, like you just imagine um, if he didn't have those. And, and knee injuries for football players are always like one of the worst ones in it. So yeah, um, yeah, yeah. That's a good point. Okay, well, on the topic of Ronaldo, how did you feel when he scored that hat trick against uh, United at Old Trafford when he was at Madrid? That was a great game. That was yeah. such a good game. Yeah, I, I didn't watch was, it, but I saw the highlights, and I'm like, I wish I watched this full game in you know live. Yeah, well, there, there was a lot of drama, right? So, um, first thing I remember about that was um, the first leg in Madrid was three one, mm-hmm. and then in the build up to the second game at Old Trafford, uh, my favorite uh, football tablet at the time. The front page was like uh, backs on top of someone celebrating, and okay. the headline just says two nil question mark because you know two nil would have taken us through kind of thing but then around that time was also kind of like i think it was the the bex controversy where um sir alex had beef with him yeah so he started with solskjaer on the right mm. and bex was on the bench and obviously you know ronaldo tore us apart also bartez one of my favorite keepers of all time actually some a keeper that i model my game with i play in goal and i'm like yeah he's a bit short Good shot stopper, mm. good distributor, bit crazy. Like, yeah, that's that's how I play kind of thing. Well, I mean, all goalies um, are kind of crazy. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, let's be honest. You guys are a little nutty. <laughs> <laughs> that's fair. That's fair. 
But um, yeah, and I was like, man, this guy, it's kind of like every time he gets beat in his fucking near post. But it's that at, the, at the same time, it's kind of like, you know, this is phenomenal. This is what he does. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then, you know, Bex came off the bench, scored a fucking amazing free kick, and then got a second goal, got it to 4-3. And I was like, okay, one more. Just get the, get the thing to like 5-3. Even though we don't go through on away goals, it's still like, you know, it's, it's respectable. Yeah. But you know, we didn't get that and it was still just four three, but then it was it was a great game. A four three at mm-hmm. Old Trafford, like, you know, with Ronaldo getting a hat trick and Bex getting two goals. It was like no, it was a great game. Yeah, I remember watching the highlights and remember thinking actually I just remember thinking I wish I saw this live and I think that was the only uh the only away player that got an standing ovation from Old Trafford. And the yes. first player to score a hat-trick at Old Trafford in the Premier League era, or I mean, it was Champions League, it was Champions League competition, but whatever, you know what I mean? Right, like in, right, yeah, yeah. In, in, the, in the early, well, not early, but like, you know, the prime Ferguson era, I guess. Yeah, and, uh, yeah. and Mo Salah is the second as of the season, so that's... Uh... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I didn't watch that game. I watched I, that I turned game. on the TV at 2-0 and I turned it right off. And it's like, yeah, no, this is going to be a dumb game. I yeah, don't, man. like, my mental health is not good enough for this. <laughs> it's like, yeah, it's not worth it. Not worth it. Yeah, I watched exactly. that. I watched that game at a bar with uh, Ganji. And, uh, right, right. I, I remember, I think he said, he's like, yo, Heishal's probably not happy right now or something. <laughs> I think he texted you, like, in the mid-game. He's like, are you did. watching this? <laughs> he did, he did. He did. I think he did. He think he texted like condolences or something. Yeah, like condolences. <laughs> and then I think I responded something like, "Oh, it doesn't affect me because you know this today does not exist." Something or something along those lines. Or whatever. <laughs> it's uh, but, uh, but yeah, like I mean, so like you've watched United for a very long time. I mean, you were witness some of the most historical events in United's history, uh, mm-hmm. at least in, the, in his recent history. So it's kind of cool. So like then, how big? Actually, okay, before we get into more into Manchester United talk, I'm interested about uh, Jakarta or Indonesia because okay. my, my only exposure of Indonesia was through Bali, which is right. pretty, much, pretty much partying with a lot of Australians, let's be honest. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and um, Yeah, uh, Bali is like Cancun for Australians. That's like Cancun it. for like Americans kind of thing, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And um, I mean, my understanding of the Indonesia, Indonesia is very limited to Bali, which I understand is very different from the rest of Indonesia. Well, every Indonesian mm-hmm. island is, seems to be a complete culture of its own. And, right, but the one thing I did notice at Bali is that there is some sort of football culture. I never really dug into it because I was there to like kind of you know uh, yeah, do, yeah. What, do what Party. you do in Bali. <laughs> and um, yeah, but exactly. but I'm curious as to what because like as you said, like Indonesia is a big soccer nation. With mm-hmm. that I know, I know that the fandom, mm-hmm. the ultras in the Indonesia league, is known to be one of the craziest in Asia. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. why is Indonesia never making it to the World Cup? Like, why is Indonesia never making waves? That's what always surprises me. I just don't get it. Is it not enough money being invested? Is there, like, really no talent? Is it, like, what is it? Well, so, um, on a technicality... Yeah. So, okay, Indonesia never made it to to the World Cup, but Dutch East Indies did on the first one. (laughs) So the colonial country did. Yeah, 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 exactly. And actually, there is a little snippet that I remember reading um, uh, way back when, where it's like... um, Okay, I don't know if they were... No, I think they must have been talking about some Uruguayan because, you know, back then, mm-hmm. who were the kings were the Uruguayans. True. And it's like, yeah, yeah, you know, you you just, uh, like, t- the manager telling some defenders, like, yeah, you stick on this guy 
he goes to the toilet, you go to the toilet. If he goes to eat, you go to eat with him. Like you don't let him go or whatever. Like that's kind of cool anecdote. Um, but yeah, so with regards to like you know why we don't make waves is um, well yeah the no money for sure. Well, it's not that there's no money. I think there is enough money in the league because um, it's it's kind of got like that little bit of like the the India and the China thing where um, you know the people with money try to spend it by like bringing maybe older um, retired stars and stuff. You know, actually, yeah, funny right. enough, SEN came around to Indo uh, for like six months. I think played in the league. Oh, uh, really? Yeah, yeah, like. At, he was done. He was like 36 at that point, I think. Oh, and, yeah. And didn't do much. But like, so there is money. And especially like with, you know, it's a developing country. So then um, there's a lot of people with money um, uh-huh. and, and they can invest if they want to. But the investment is not done in the right way. And kind I of think where, okay. you know, it's not done throughout, uh, it's not done to to, to the youth systems or, or, or the football structures and things like that. Oh, okay. Um, and then... Uh, you know, the organizations are pretty corrupt as again, you know, um, the, the global as, as, as much of the global South. Um, and I think, you know, I I don't want to say we don't have talent. I think a lot of it is also like genetics or, or nutrition. Like we're not, you know, we're not very big or fast or quick or any of the combinations kind of thing. Yeah. Like, um, I think like when I go home, I'm like, I'm like five, nine, five, nine and a half at yeah. best. Yeah. And like, so, but when I go home, I'm considered tall. Um, oh. so like, that's the thing. So then, you know, and, and there's also the, the stigma of like, you know, you can't really be an athlete because you can't really live off of it. So, uh, uh, maybe there are a lot of kids that can play, but, or, you know, have good genetics and good nutrition, but they don't because that's not the path that's laid out for them kind of thing okay um yeah so i would say those are reasons huh okay so it's it's like it's really the same reasons as a lot of other countries in the global south yeah. when you think about yeah. it it's the money's mismanaged uh going to other people's pockets uh also just like being in certain countries where you might not get the top medicine the top uh medical uh systems or you know, you know what I mean? Like not the top nutrition mm-hmm, or mm-hmm. top food. Yeah. I mean, granted, yeah. Indonesian food's fabulous, but you know, it's too bad. Yeah. And no, for sure. Yeah. That, that really is too bad. Uh, Cause when, when we think of Asia, it's always the same suspects, right? Japan, South Korea, uh, Iran, Saudi Arabia, and then sometimes North Korea once every 50 years, it seems, mm-hmm. uh, which is funny that North Korea makes it before Indonesia. I'm like, how's this happening? But, <laughs> but, uh, well, that's a, another thing though, right? If, if you look at the three biggest countries by population in Asia, it's China, India, and Indo. There's yeah. no football. Any, they, none of them are good football. China lost three, one to Vietnam today <laughs> in the world cup qualifier. And, oh, and, you know, man. being in Southeast Asia, like, we know how good Vietnam are. We know how good yeah. Thailand is. Kind of thing. Yeah. Like, like, they, you know, like, and, and I guess, like, and, and Chinese people are not, like, you know, they, when they, when they want to kind of, like, uh, build up athletes, they do. Yeah, they, 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 just, spend a, they invest a lot of money. Exactly. But for some reason, it doesn't work with football. Like, it works a lot better with basketball for them, mm. it seems, kind of thing. So maybe sometimes, yeah, maybe some, maybe for some, it's just not meant to be kind of thing, you know, like, yeah, yeah, I, I like that. And I mean, I don't like that, that it's not meant to be, but like, I understand mm-hmm. it. It makes sense. Like, cause I always find it that Korea is always, um, 
making it. And Korea is always considered one of the powerhouses of Asia. And mm -hmm. uh, it's always funny because growing up, Korea has never been, at least in a geopolitical sense, never been a big player. Now it kind of right. is. But mm -hmm. geopolitically and even economically growing up, they weren't the biggest players, but they were always on the rise. Whereas in football, especially in Asia, they were the big boys. And it's always kind yeah. of, it's an interesting uh, dichotomy, I guess. Um, so, but then going back to Manchester United. So is the fandom of Manchester United in Indonesia very big? Yes. Mm. So, you know, I mentioned uh, kind of like, uh, uh, at least so from, from when I was growing up kind of thing, like, I knew I had my my friends were either um, so if they follow the Premier League, they would support United or Arsenal or you get some people who support Chelsea because um, I I have a sneaky feeling it's because of the Serie A thing and then you know Zola was obviously very very good mm. um, and he's Italian so there's a little bit of that but for the most part I think actually most uh, of the people I knew um, they were more Serie A fans like Juve fans Inter oh, fans Milan cool. fans um, yeah so uh, but but if it's premiership uh, from when I'm growing up it's either United or Arsenal now you know you get your Chelsea's you get your Liverpool's right. and I, I don't think there are Spurs fans even though I, I highly <laughs> doubt it unless there are like expats from actually like you know from, from North London or whatever yeah like our Spurs fans and bringing that but I doubt that yeah no <laughs> it's funny because it's kind of the same case in most countries in the world where and when it comes to Premier League uh, fandom it's always United and Arsenal first because they just have that uh, foundation of success early on when mm -hmm. when you know televisation kicked in that's where they were the best teams at that time so I was exactly. like you know yeah. makes sense Liverpool just missed it because they were still like they were still within Europe, if you will. Uh, yeah, I, and I, their big days were in the '80s, where you know, in, yes. in a lot of places in the world, the Premiership weren't as big back then. And I think you know, the, with TV rights and shit like that, like it, essentially Liverpool missed the 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 wave, the, mar the early marketing wave, exactly. Yeah, exactly. It, it, but now, I mean, I think now there's probably millions of more new Liverpool fans now because they. Oh yeah, absolutely. So good, but absolutely. But then, like, you know, Indonesia being a former colony of the Netherlands, I, I would, don't you think maybe perhaps they would have been uh, at least a, somewhat of a fan of the Dutch league? Or is there, like, kind of because of the colonial past, like, we want nothing to do with that? Well, um, so I don't think, firstly, I think uh, the easy answer is, you know, there's not, it's not on TV. Uh, yeah, thing, fair enough. You know? Fair enough. It's not on TV, so then it's not really, um, you know, you'll, you'll see like kind of in, in the richer areas, some Ajax shirts from here, from now and then with, uh, you know, because, hmm. well, first of all, it's a cool shirt. It's amazing. has sick fucking kits. Yes. Um, the so Bob Marley I, one I, is amazing. Yeah, exactly. That's already banned, but BHGate, my Chinese eBay, comes through all the time. Shout <laughs> out BHGate. Um, but, uh yeah, it's 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 not really on TV, so you don't really get exposure to it. So there's mm. that. But then uh, with regards to kind of the colonial past, and kind of like we don't really want to do anything. Uh, we don't really want to have anything to do with it. Uh, I think that's actually not true at all because mm. what we're doing now, actually what we've been doing in the last, I would say, 10 years okay. is we try to find players um, for the national team who have um, Indonesian blood. So Ooh. they and they trace it back. They trace it way back. Like um, just today, actually, I was reading about um, this uh, 
Dutch player whose grandma was from the uh, Moluccas. Oh, okay. And, yeah, and so uh, you know, so and and a lot of a lot of the and when this kind of quote unquote experiment has been done, yeah, I, like I said, in the last ten years or so, and um, two, I would say mixed results. Like it hasn't really gotten us anywhere. Mm. Um, and but for the most part, you know, a lot of them are Dutch. So yeah. and and you know, the, the reception is always happy kind of thing. Mm. Um, so yeah, it's it's uh, it's I think. In a sense, it's kind of like I don't know, like if I, you know, if you ask the the, the average Indonesian, like, why do you feel about the Netherlands or whatever? I think I think most people won't really care, yeah. um, you know, especially if you're not really super into like uh, political history and like ramifications of colonialism and shit like that. Right. But I, um, yeah. sorry, go on. No, I mean, like it's kind of to your point because it seems like Southeast Asia kind of has that um, vibe to it, if you will. Where I feel like Southeast Asians do a really good job of, I mean, like, granted, I mean, I think for the Philippines and Vietnam with Spain and France, respectively, maybe it's mm. a little different. But I always get the sense that the Viet- every Vietnamese person I speak with don't overtly hate the French. They're just like, oh, it happened, we move on. And the Filipinos sort of embrace, not embrace, but like they they accept some of the Spanishization of right. Of, right. Of, of their culture where a lot of them have Spanish last names. They're very devout Catholics right. or very Spanish Catholics yeah. or Dominican Catholic. So it's kind of mm-hmm. like, I feel like Southeast Asia, it's, it's it, uh, in retrospect to Northern Asia or Northeast Asia where they're like, it happened, we move. That's it. It's in the past. We're, we're okay. Right. Uh, you know what I mean? Like, I feel like Southeast Asia has a really strong vibe to it as opposed to Korea where we constantly talk about how Japan sucks and how Mongolia right. screwed us, how the Chinese keep interfering in our history. You know, you know what I mean? Right. Well, I think part of it also could be that like, let, let's say if I were to kind of, uh, <laughs> okay, not to sound too kind of like academic, but like if you yeah. want to apply some like uh, some class analysis to it, like oh, okay. for the poor, for the poorer people, they don't really have time to worry about that. You know, it's just kind of academic to them. And it's like, cool, uh, yeah. like why would, what would blaming the colonizers do for me? Kind of thing. Not True. much. Okay. You know, okay. they, they would kind of like turn to, what would be the quote-unquote um, contemporary enemy, which, as um, evidenced by the 97 riot, is for a lot of Indonesians, the Chinese. Mm. Um, uh, yeah, so, you know, I actually know someone who lived in Canada, and they escaped, the, they live in Canada because they escaped that 97 riot. Um, so, yeah, so there's that part. And then, like, for the kind of, like, upper class so to speak like if you if they're not too um you know uh interested in, in things like this they, they they're they're more geared towards uh money essentially okay. in the sense that like yeah like they don't really think about it because it's like yeah i'm enjoying my life or whatever or like i'm too focused on getting this bag or whatever so like yeah. i don't have time to worry about that so then i guess that's kind of like the two components where you know, for, for, for people who kind of like have the, I don't want to use this word, but I don't have anything else in my mind right now, to kind of like have the privilege of doing like a high level analysis on on colonialism and kind of mm. like really, you know, getting down to it. Yeah. As well as being interested in it. So like you have to have the privilege and the interest that that Venn diagram is very small. Okay. Okay. That makes yeah. sense. So Indonesia likes Dutch players. That's the final answer. Yeah, um, I think so. Yeah. <laughs> and, like, I mean, I love rude. 
Yeah, I still think he's one of the greatest um, strikers United ever had, kind of thing. Yeah. I, okay. Well, speaking of United players and inter-Asian relations, uh, how, how did Park Ji Sung make you feel being a, a you know an Asian player playing for the biggest club in the world? You know, for I me, I was, it. yeah, same. I mean, like especially for me as a Korean person, I was like, wow, like right. we're legitimately good at the sport. That's how I felt. Yeah. So this is the thing, right? So Park Park came after that 2002 World Cup, right? Right. Yeah. And I in that 2002 World Cup, I was already rooting for the guy because I remember his goal against Portugal. Took yes. it on the chest, uh, uh, juggled it above the def- coming defender, and then megged the keeper. That was just, like, insane. <laughs> like, I remember I, that, I, yeah. I, yeah, and I... Okay, I, I don't know why this has always been in my, in my like, uh, in myself growing up, but I always hated the Italian football team, like the national team. Really? I, I don't know why. <laughs> um, so, you know, when obviously um, uh, Korea played Italy and it was very controversial and Korea mm-hmm. played Spain and it was very controversial throughout, I was just like, yes, love the salt. Keep it coming. Korea is <laughs> going through. Yeah. Keep it coming. I don't care. You know, talk about conspiracy all what you want. <laughs> Korea is going through. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So then like, you know, when then, and then he, he had uh, great champions league semis against Milan scored against Dida. And then he came to United and I was like, fuck yeah, man, this guy. Yes. Mm. You know? And it wasn't it wasn't a Dong Fang Zhou, you know, it wasn't a marketing thing. Man, it was actually very, very good. And yeah. he proved it too. Like he had a lot of key goals against us, loved scoring against Arsenal, you know, marked Pirlo out of the game and Pirlo even wrote it in his book, kind of yeah. thing. Yeah. Like, um, you know, I, I was still obviously like, you know, Ferguson said like uh not having Park in that final against Chelsea was like the big the hardest decision he's ever made. Mm. And like, yeah, I was sad about that. I was sad for the guy, like um, you know, I think he could have definitely added something. He loved playing against Chelsea too, scored against Czech or, or like made assist to Chicharito against Czech a couple of times. So man loved the big game. Like he, he yeah. would have done something in that final. And yeah, that was, that was sad. Yeah, man. Like it's, it's, I remember a lot of my friends were like, why aren't you Manchester United fan that you witnessed Park Ji Sung playing at mm-hmm. United? I was like, I didn't watch United for United. I watched United for Park Ji Sung. That's all right. I did. And mm-hmm. what I love the most is that people who really knew football was like, we're always saying this, you know, this is the most underappreciated or un- most underrated player in Premier League right. history. I, even other Premier League legends are like, people don't give him the respect that he deserves. And I think it has a lot to do with right. I think it has a lot to do with the fact that he's Asian or, and or, uh, his English is not as fluent. And I think, you know, the media will go with based on how good your English is at, at the end of the day. And maybe yeah like you know if you're more marketable or if you're uh more marketable i think like yeah, and, yeah you know guys like he's very reserved right like yeah I think his english is fine like I've, I've listened to a lot of interviews his english is completely fine it's just his voice is very low he doesn't speak very loudly mm. you know like oh, he yeah, doesn't okay, really yeah. he doesn't really have a, a kind of like a commanding presence he's very like reserved and shit like that and it's like he's humble you know yeah. like like sonny sonny is a humble person too but sonny like you know he loves the social media he's like um, you know, he does the the Tom Holland celebrations and shit. And like he, you yeah. know, he's he I don't want to say like he's part of that circus, but like, you know, he it's part of him as well. Whereas G I mm. felt like was more kind of like a, a actual uh, no, just not actual, a one dimensional one dimensional athlete in that 
that yeah. was just his job. That's it. And he's kind of like Paul Scholes, and kind of like Paul Scholes at the time. They were just like, we're just gonna hear to play at the football. Time. At yeah. the time, is the is the key phrase here because Paul, Paul Scholes right now is fucking insane. He's sucking his daughter's toes and stuff. And yeah, it's just, man, it's so man is crazy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, geniuses are always a little crazy, and yeah. But that's the thing, because like for me, at least is um. Every time I travel the world, I mean, I, I remember going to Africa, to Kenya, and people would always call me Chinese and stuff like that, which is, you know, right. it is what it is. It's fine. At the time, it was very annoying. So I'd always correct mm-hmm. them and be like, I'm Korean. And then as soon as they say I'm Korean, they're like, oh, Parjik son, Manchester United. I'm like, okay, we can talk now. Like, this is cool. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. It's, so, you know, like um, when I noticed that happening, I was like, man, this man really put us on the map single-handedly just yeah. by being a good footballer mm-hmm. that's it yeah he probably he probably didn't think about improving the condition of korean people around the world he's like i just want to play great soccer and yeah single-handedly brought our culture to another level in terms of sports and yeah and selling Min's doing the same so i think it's really cool but no it's absolutely for sure and i i was really bummed that kagawa didn't work out because yeah you know he he lit it up in dortmund and like i still think that season Ferguson's initial um, idea was to play Kagawa behind Rooney, mm. Nani Nani on one wing, Valencia on the other. That would have worked, I think. Oh, that would be nice. Van Persie, Van Persie became available, and when someone like Van Persie is available, you gotta get Van Persie, and he did win us the lead. Yeah. So, but then that that sacrificed Kagawa because then Nani got pushed to the right, and then he got pushed to the left because Rooney has to play in the ten. So then uh. you know. Kagawa does not play on the left. Like that's not his position. He's a ten. He's a pure ten. Link up, quick passes. You know, um, kind of like looking for space and things like that. And he's not a winger, so it didn't work out. He still had a nice hat trick against Norwich, but I wish it would have worked out better. Yeah, that's unfortunate. I mean, I remember he was kind of touted as like, I, I think as his Asian, they're like, okay, we're gonna get another mm-hmm. solid Asian player like mm-hmm. uh, Park Ji Sung, but it didn't work out. And yeah. Uh, oh yeah, and also I remember my favorite Park Ji-sung game was I mean they lost was against Barcelona. I thought he was first half he shut Messi down and I was like, yo, this is incredible to watch. And then they had to put Messi on the other side, which that's kind of how they won at the end of the day. But yeah. uh, I remember that game. Uh, but there was a game also that um, if you remember there was one where we beat Barcelona one 0 with our Paul's goals like insane goal. Yeah. And in that game, it was Park and Tevez running around just chasing everybody down like fucking little dogs. Yeah. <laughs> they were they were insane. And you know, Tevez for all his flaws, like going to City and all that, but like oh, I forgot he that was happened. also someone like Park who, you know, he one time there was a ball on the ground. Sorry, uh, someone else had the ball, he was on the ground and he jumped like with his head to block the ball or whatever. Like, man's crazy. <laughs> like you know he he also played with heart and shit and like having him like that that front line of like Tevez, Rooney, uh, Ronaldo with Berbatov as well that was insane to think about it again like looking back like you know mm. uh, obviously we have we have um, uh, a pretty good uh, front line right now at least on paper but like to think back the kind of front lines that United have had over the years, like, I guess, like going back from where I was, when I started watching was like, you know, we had the the kind of four of like, um, Cole, your Sheringham and Solskjaer. And then yeah. we had Rude, we had Forland for a bit before he blew up. Um, you know, we had, uh, who else did we have? Rooney, obviously, Van Persie, obviously, um, who Nad- else did we have? Nadi and then Abra. Right. 
Um, right. Oh, Nani, Nani was actually great. I I, yeah. I still love Nani. And I think a lot of uh, United fans still love that. Actually, you know, if you look at um, the United team from that era of like Nani and like Anderson and like the two Brazilian uh, fullbacks, uh, Fabio and Rafa. Yeah, the brothers. If you go into their Instagram, they still post about United from time to time. Wow. Like they genuinely like their t- like love their time at the club and like actually even Anderson sometimes I think like uh uh take the piss out of Gerard for like never winning the premiership or something and he's <laughs> like yeah I want a few you know like, oh my god man was just a clown he was just having fun I love that guy like you know I think I think United did ruin him because he's not a number eight he's a number ten yeah uh, but Ferguson played him as an eight but you know he didn't seem to mind he seemed like he had a great time with us so you know it all worked out kind of thing yeah and yeah it's it's funny you spring up all these things because when you look at Manchester United today on paper they should be killing it so what's what's going wrong <laughs> like i, I just, yeah i because when i see this team on i mean we're, we'll talk about mason greenwood in a second after like later on mm-hmm. but of like as assuming greenwood was before we knew about what was happening with him yeah. on paper yeah. this team was like you were supposed to win every match day in day out Oh yeah, for sure. And you know, the feeling when when we first when we won our first game this season against Newcastle 4-1, Ronaldo got two goals and it was like, yeah, it's going right again, you know? Yeah. And yeah. again, you know, on paper, I think um at least at least the the actually okay, no. On paper, the front line is top notch. You give you give like any good manager like Pep, like Klopp, like Tuchel that front line. Oh. They'll for- do something with it. Yeah. They will absolutely do something with it, but then you you go back from the front line. What's what's you know the the engine is what's most important. Mm. We don't have anything there. Like mm. we have we have how many number tens do we have? We have got Pogba, we've got Bruno, we've got Mata, we've got Jaylings. Like that's oh four God. number ten, <laughs> so and much. we have who do we have for to Van... sit? Like let's say if you want to do even if you want to do a single pivot, you got Matic. Um, oh, Van de Beek, Doni is also a number ten. That's it. So yeah. we've got Matic, Fred, uh, Scott, and that's it. Yeah, those three are the mid are the the midfield options for a club like United. That's not good enough. Mm. Um, and you know, like you talk about kind of like, oh yeah, you know, Pogba plays in the midfield too for France. Like, no, first of all, he plays next to Kante and when yeah. they win the world cup, he has Matuidi on the left of him as well. Mm. So, you know, he's not, Pogba is my current favorite player and I, I understand his limitations. Man is pretty lazy. Um, you know, <laughs> yeah. uh, it's not that just actually, okay. I shouldn't say that. It's not that he's lazy. It's that he doesn't actually i don't think he actually has uh, a good defensive mentality yeah like, i don't think he can actually tackle or cover defensively i don't think he has that in his locker and so then you wind up with you know because he's a big guy he's a strong guy sometimes you wind up with like silly challenges that's why he's been sent off a couple times that's why he concedes um silly penalties a few times um because that's not his job that's not what he's supposed to do he's supposed to Give him the ball on his feet, and he'll be able to create something. But then, when you already have people like Bruno, you know, who actually does the job and does it well week in week out, doesn't really seem to have injuries. You know, knock on fucking wood. Yeah. You know that you're gonna, you have a certain expectation of output that you can rely on. Then yeah, Pog gets pushed to the side, and that's sad. But 
I still think I still don't agree with the idea that like Pog has been a uh, failure. Yeah. Like this is this is the hill that I am willing to die on as a United fan. <laughs> okay. Is that because yeah, when you play next to Scrubs, you can't really do much. <laughs> yeah. And like and like yes, he he does go missing. You're right, but of course you you go missing. Like if you look at Frank Frank Lampard, yeah, mm-hmm. one of the greatest. English midfielders of all time. One of the greatest midfielders of all time. He was never played in the in the midfield two. He was yeah. always played in the midfield three. Yeah. And I think if if Pogba had always played in the midfield three from the beginning with good with with good players the way he did at Juventus, he would have he would have killed. Yeah, I like the way was... he killed at Juventus and the way he kills in France. That's the thing. It's like I I always held this not. I don't think it's a theory. I think it's a fact where if you see where he plays best, it's a 4-3-3 and he plays with two reliable midfielders who are willing to, you know, backtrack and do the dirty work. Well, Conte is able to do that. Matridi does that for France or whoever it pairs up with in the midfield. And Pogba is a creative type. He's the kind of guy where you kind of just let him do his thing. That's where you get the amazing assists. That's where you get the crazy 30-yard bangers. Like, this is what he does. You know what I mean? Exactly. And when they bought him, Manchester United, when they bought him with all that money, I thought you should build a team around this guy. This guy is clearly your franchise player, right? So you should build a team around him. But United kind of just started buying superstars without really thinking if they match well in a in a uniform system. You know what I mean? Exactly. Yeah, that's that's, that's always the thing. yeah. That's the key. That's that's that imbalance. And like to kind of go back uh, to uh, what uh, where I was going earlier, like the front, the front line on paper, you know, top. Top. The midfield bottom, and then the defense <laughs> imbalance. Yeah, like, imbalance. You know, you you have Rafa Varane who has won everything, mm-hmm. who has won everything before he was like seven. You know what I mean? Like this is clearly one of the top, top, top center backs of all time. Playing next to an eighty million fucking slab uh, of rock. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I, I'm still like recognize the strengths of of mcguire i don't think his strengths are worth 80 million pounds one two i don't think like if I, if you look at kind of like united captains throughout the years he's not the united captain mm. um you know and then you see like uh one bisaka who um you know in his first season with us practically unbeatable 1v1 yeah, but now seems to not know how to defend. Like very suspect position positionally, mm-hmm. um, it makes really dumb decisions sometimes. Um, always tucks inside. I don't understand why he always tucks inside mm. instead of having one of the midfields come back to make it a three defenders. You you take your right back to to tuck inside and then what the cover on the right wing, especially when you play someone like Mason who does not track back. Yeah, like, that makes no sense to me. Um, Luke Shaw, I think it's great. Yeah, I like him. Um, I rate him. I I love Eric Bai. Eric Bai is my guy. Mm. Um, I I you know it's it's not okay. I'm not I'm not gonna say he's a top defender though, but I think he's a good defender, and I do love the kind of little heart attacks that you get when you watch him sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, you like the drama. Yeah, exactly. And then you have you have you have the hair who. He's a, one of the top shot stoppers, at least at least used to be one of the top shot stoppers, but the game has moved on from shot stoppers. You need someone comfortable with their feet. You need someone yeah. who can command their area. You yeah. need someone who will come out for crosses, and he's not any of those things. 
Yeah. So like, that's the thing that's like, if you look at the teams, like, yeah, these are, some of these are very, very good players, but one, it the team is imbalanced and two, maybe some of them are, are left behind uh, by the modern game kind of thing. Huh. So they're more like they were, they would have been perfect for like five, 10 years ago instead of today. You put, you put Harry Maguire next to Steve Bruce. That would have been the <laughs> top, top like center back pairing. Yeah. You know, you, you, um, but then if you look at keepers, it's kind of like when you, when you come from Schmeichel and Van der Sar, who oh. are, you know, big Legends. personalities. Yeah. Commands areas, always communicates with their defenders, comes out for crosses, comes out, comes off their line. De Gea, as good as he has been, as integral as he, as he has been for United, like, you know, one season, like the 2017 season, basically he got us where we, where we got there kind of thing. Mm. But he's not to the standards of Van der Sar or Schmeichel. I, I just yeah. don't think so. I, I think United, in terms of goalkeeper, the only one that comes to mind that could have fulfilled those boots of Schme- uh, Schmeichel and Van der Sar would be Manuel Neuer, but that man's never leaving Bayern Munich. Um, no, none of those German players are leaving Bayern Munich, I, in, in my opinion, <laughs> unless you go to MLS like Bastian Schweinsteiger. But, <laughs> but yeah, like I, I, I see your point because like if United, it's like I always have this opinion: if you need to go and buy Varane because Maguire is not reliable, then there is clearly a problem with your captain. You know what I mean? I was like, you shouldn't, yeah. you shouldn't have to do that it was, with like with Liverpool, for example, when they went out and got Van Dijk, they needed that because. Both like Lewis Lovren, Matip, and uh, I'm I'm blank. I think not Ashkirtle. Uh, the Klavan. He no Klavan wasn't even starting. Oh Ragnar. Right, yeah, Ragnar yeah. Klavan. He wasn't even starting. But like Lovren made so many dumb mistakes, mm-hmm. and uh, Matip was only he's only as good as his pairing. So I'm like, in this right. scenario, you needed someone like Van Dyke to come in, and then when Van Dyke came in, Lovren played better. Matip became almost yeah. world class. So it's yeah. like you know, but with. United, even with Varane there, Maguire doesn't seem amazing. You know what I mean? No, that's the thing. It's kind of like, you know, like United, if you look at, again, central back pairings, you go from like Steve Bruce and and Gary Pallister okay. to Yapstam and Ronnie Johnson mm. to Rio and Vintage. Oh, I love that pairing. You know, yeah, like you see those, those progressions and it's like, Hazmaz, like, come on, <laughs> yeah. They just you know, like, it's it's not, and and like, kind of like, if you compare, kind of like before Maguire, United's uh, record signing, well, uh, for center back is probably Rio, mm. and and Maguire cost two and a half times Rio, yeah, and you know, adjusted for inflation, whatever, but like. They're not on the same level at all. Rio was like top. Like he yeah. would be in conversations of like center backs of the you know the twentieth century. Yeah. Like he he was just he's he he was very good to say the least kind of thing. And it's like eighty million pound Harry Maguire is not that. Yeah, yeah. I just I I think he's overrated. That's how much. Wait, Van Dyke was Van Dyke cost less, right? He was like seventy. 70 he was he was cost 70 and look what he's done for liverpool everything exactly exactly he's like, i mean granted this, like this like, season he may not be his best but it's still very good it's still better than yeah. Maguire, hands down yeah ruben diaz cost like what 60 yeah and killing it yeah and it, for and he, he like just 
Oh man, just uh, arguably, fucking... arguably Ben White it might be better than Maguire. I don't watch. Okay, this is something that I <laughs> do have to confess. You don't watch is... Arsenal. No, I don't really watch a lot of football outside of United games. That's fair. Like I'd watch like a I'd watch like a big, you know, Super Sunday or like a big Champions League thing. Yeah. But yeah, um, I don't really watch uh, or you know, obviously World Cup and shit like that. Like, you know, big spectacles, obviously. It's, but like, it's United or big games. Pretty much. Yeah. Okay, that's fair. I mean, like again, you're at the end of the day, you're a United fan. Why would you, you know, waste your time well, watching? You know, I'd like to consider I, I always wanted to consider myself like a football fan first before a United fan, but probably not but also budget of time at the end of the day if there's that yeah. yeah yeah exactly thank you thank you <laughs> you're welcome <laughs> but um but yeah like it's it's i don't know this this you know I, i've heard a lot of things because i talked to other other united fans and it gave me a lot of opinions so you're the first one that says that uh there's just an inherent imbalance with the roster and how the roster was built other yeah pe- and that's because of uh ed woodward yeah. Well, it's not because of Ed Woodward. Ed Woodward was a symptom of a bigger issue. And the bigger issue is the Glazers. Yeah. Because when when we had when we had Sir Alex, obviously he made all the football decisions. Right. But then he's gone. And then, you know, who who was the first manager we got? David fucking Moyes. Yeah. Dilly Dallied, was offered Thiago, was offered fucking Tony Cruz. Oh my God! Settled with fucking Marwan Fellaini. You know what I mean, right? Like, oh man, we could have gotten Leighton Baines, and oh, yeah. he would have done well for like three, four years. Yeah, he would have done well. great. Yeah, he was good um, at Everton. I remember exactly. And then we settled for uh, Fellaini, who don't get me wrong, did really well for Everton. But as a as a as a double pivot, no, as a number mm. ten, he he yeah. ruined us. There was a, that game three three again uh, at Old Trafford that uh, actually that season we didn't win the league and we were winning that game 3-0 or 3-1, I think. Mm-hmm. And they came back and we lost the league. That was the Aguero fucking season, I think. Yeah. Uh, Aguero! Yeah. That season. Yeah. <laughs> and we won- we lost that league in what? I think by either a point or a goal difference. Goal, goal differential. Like I think it was goal differential. Right. Exactly. So if Fellaini didn't ruin us that game, we would have won the league. And, you know, he destroyed us because he was... As a number 10, you put kind of like a battering ram in your number 10, and you can't really do much. Mm. You know, your defensive midfielder would have to be either really strong or really big or be able to handle these things, and we couldn't. Like, um, And so, essentially, we got Fellaini and Mata, two number 10s. Again, that just, I don't know, this team just fucking hordes I, number 10s seemingly yeah, i don't i don't understand I, I think they just see center mid and they assume that they could play any position you know what i mean like it seems like that's yeah. how the scouting is thinking it's like you're not thinking uh in, like profoundly enough when it comes to midfielders you know and their strengths you well, just see, that's the thing yeah yeah because what so before before the glazers right there the chairman was david gill and david gill worked very closely with ferguson david gill was a football person yeah. so don't get me wrong ferguson made some bad signings, of course, like of course. Jemba Jemba, like Cleberson even, like, you know, <laughs> even Veron didn't work out and Veron was a fucking great player, you know, yeah. um, Forlan didn't really work out and, you know, he great left player. us to go to Atletico, won, uh, no, go, went to Villarreal and got Pichichi, his first season in, mm-hmm. in Spain. Same like, way Piquet, you know, tried Piquet. Exactly. Well, Piquet wanted to go home. He was... Oh, that was he, it? You okay. know, he, yeah, I think he, he's, he's La Masia, right? Like, so, and uh. Uh, I think he had gotten games in the season before he left, 
But so he maybe he felt, hey, you know, I'm gonna start to get games. I want to go back then so I can get games in the greatest Barcelona era of all time. Maybe. True. So, True. which he did, you know, yeah. and he's an integral part of it. Won the so, World Cup. Exactly. Like you know, there are no no uh, no hard feelings or whatever. But like mm. at the same, uh, but but you know, so I guess maybe if you look back, like yeah, Veron was maybe what, uh, Ferguson's biggest like signing that didn't really work out but you know if you look at past ferguson how many of them have not worked out a lot of them a lot like and and yeah you could maybe include pogba in that but i i personally i don't think because maybe i'm biased because he's my favorite player but <laughs> it's not his fault but it's it's more the the structure fault that yeah. there is no structure in place and therefore it's not set up the way it should be set up yeah yeah no that's that's because like other people are arguing that you know it comes out it's either players have a have a shitty personality because they become celebrities after in light of that ronaldo comment and that you know infamous ronaldo interview where young players don't take criticism they're celebrities or they're fragile or you know you know what i mean like weak egos kind of thing um or high egos however you want to put it and uh another argument is that the managers they brought in for united are just not united caliber managers who cannot deal and mesh his team into a good winning team and then you present a new argument which i'm kind of leaning more towards is uh it's just the system doesn't work with the kind of players you brought in as you said you just hoarded a bunch of number 10s and expect them to all play number six and eight besides mm-hmm. playing 10 and it's like it's mm-hmm. a little unrealistic and it seems like the scouting at united is it's kind of pointing towards the upper management of united where they're not understanding that this is like forming a, a starting 11 is a very balanced ecosystem that you cannot, you know, you can't, you can't expect to put too many predators in there. You know what I mean? Like, right. Yeah. Kind of like, you know, when you, when you build a team, right. It's kind of like, um, um, you know, you, you point out kind of like certain positions and then like, let's say for center back, like using your example, you know, you had Lovren, you had Matip and so on. And it's like, okay, these two are not inherently bad players per se, but what we need is someone that they, they all can rely on. Like it's a commanding presence there. So then you, you buy just one player to solve that problem. And that Mm -hmm. does solve the problem because if you have a commanding center back who, who, who talks to your goalkeeper, who talks to the other defenders, you know, keeping the line, you know, if they push, they push the same time. If they go back, they go back the same time. They know how far they need to be from each other and how close they need to be with each other when they're getting pressed and so on and so forth. Like, you just need that one key. And yeah. for the longest time for us, that key was was Ferguson because he won the league with the midfield of Cleverly and Anderson. You know what I mean? Like, mm, yeah. that's not... Like, it... <laughs> and so it's kind of like when you take... And he was obviously a once-in-a-lifetime kind of person, so you take that out, you need a proper structure. The way, yeah. again, as, as, as shitty as this makes me feel, the way kind of FSG has run it in the sense. Like, you know, like the transfer policies of Liverpool have been great. Really um, you smart. know, there you got some things that don't work out, sure. But like when, uh, or, or the way Chelsea does it, like they, whenever they, they sell players, it's never for shit money. It's always for good money. Yeah. And and you know they get they get the right they get the right managers like Conte came and won the league and then Conte fucked off and it's like okay who do we bring and now they got Tuchel like who has his own systems and he gets the players that he wants and things like that and it's like there are proper structures in place for uh, for a club in the modern world that's what you need I think, I, I feel yeah 
I, I, I totally agree. And also, my only concern about Liverpool now is the long-term sustainability because, I mean, they just signed Luis Diaz, who could be a good long-term replacement for, I forget if he plays on the right or left wing, but a good replacement for the forwards. Mm-hmm. But, but with Liverpool now that I'm concerned with is that in two, three years' time, like this team has got a clock and it's going to it's going to go off soon, which like all of these players... And you don't gonna... want to pay Salah. I, I, I don't. I think it's Salah still good enough, so I don't understand why Liverpool don't want to sign him unless they understand something that I am not seeing, which I doubt, but they should just <laughs> sign him for the purely for the emotional uh, aspect of it because he's just means so much for, for Liverpool. And I, I also think he's still like, I think most fans think he's still got it. I don't think there's yes, any fans, or even pundits for that matter that think he doesn't have it anymore. He's still got it. He's still got it. He's still like, he still has another two, three seasons left in him to yeah. really be like more than 20 goals a season. Um, yeah. Man, man, like uh peak plate, you know, like he, he bounced around like Chelsea to Fiorentina to Roma, like in his early twenties, like he started, I actually remember watching him when he was in Basel and I was like, man, this guy's good. Yeah. But yeah, um, yeah like, you know, he kind of like peaked a little bit later and what a peak. Yeah. I mean, you know, that I, I, I have, uh, I have a strong emotions about Mo Salah. I love that guy. And, but speaking, I mean, strong, single-handedly also like solving Islamophobia in the Northwest of England. Dude, by 30%, like they yeah. quantified the amount of Islamophobia went down because of his performance. It's, ridiculous it's impressive yeah, it's a exactly and he didn't even do it by launching campaign he just no. was himself and i'm like yeah the power of football like I, that's what i love about it uh yeah. it's seriously impressive and on the other side of the spectrum however you get someone like mason greenwood and yeah i, I just want to uh, put this uh we're recording this on february 1st and it's a tuesday and we heard about the news about mason greenwood on the 30th which was a sunday and i woke up well, all my group chats blowing up, all my Instagram feeds blowing up about what what Greenwood is going through. Well, not what he's going through, what his victims have went through because of his his uh, actions. Mm-hmm. And as a United fan, like, I mean, as a human being, it's 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 fucking awful. It's like I can't believe mm-hmm. anyone could do this. But you, especially as a United fan, and this this guy being touted as like the golden boy of United, like, mm-hmm. you know, how does this make you feel? Well, you know, like I think. Initially, um, well, but when I say initially, I mean before all of this came around. Right. It's like, yeah, I, I want, I wanted to have a, a Greenwood shirt, you know. Mm. Like I was like I was thinking like, yeah, this is a shirt I could wear for years to come, kind of thing. Like, yeah, um, you know, obviously the talent is undeniable; it's there, and like he's only young, kind of thing, right? Yeah. But then, like, you know, I, I saw the pictures, and I, I didn't, I didn't listen to the audio because I, I, I can't personally no i like, would be able i to. just yeah i just read the excerpts and it's just like yeah been him like you know like uh, no other no other words for it and it's kind of like um i think uh in some sense like uh as i get older i i've been able to kind of separate like you know the 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 football versus the humanity mm-hmm. in a lot of things kind of like you know with with regards to like let's say to kind of uh, sidetrack a little bit, like with regards to like the World Cup, for example, it's like, yeah, you know, maybe I won't watch it kind of thing, or if I watch it, I'll stream it illegally kind of thing. Mm, okay. You know, like I'm definitely not paying money for that kind of thing. Right. You know, or like, um, you know, if if uh, uh, like I haven't I haven't bought a a a real United shirt 
um, since 2008. Hmm. Because I don't want to give money to the Glazers kind of thing. Okay. So like, okay. Yeah. So, so in this case, like I've been able to kind of separate that two words. Like, okay, yeah, Mason's a douchebag. Or actually, no, that's douchebag is too light to say. Like, <laughs> yes. he's, yeah. It's way too light. And it's, yeah, exactly. And it's just like, yeah, no, you know, make an example of him. Like, you know, put him in jail and like, you know, obviously do process on that, but like the evidence is damning. Um, you know, hit him as hard as he could kind of thing. Like he, that's what he deserves. And, you know, hopefully the victim can, you know, it was very brave what she did. And yes. hopefully she can, you know, find the strength and like support that she needs kind of thing. And it's like, yeah, the, yeah. And, 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 oh, actually uh, related to United as well. Like, you know, obviously the, if you're, if you're uh, familiar with football, you obviously know about Gigsy. Um, you know, someone mm. who is revered in, in United folklore kind of thing where, you know, he was one of the top players uh, in our history. And kind I of think actually not not just one of the top players, probably up there, like top five, top ten at, more, at least yeah. kind of thing. Um, but like, yeah, I, I don't, you know, as, as soon as the, the stories come out, it's like, no, I don't consider him anymore. Kind of thing. Like, it's not about like some things are bigger than football kind of thing, you know, like. Yeah just uh you know when when you do things like that you don't deserve however little my adoration or my care essentially kind of thing yeah yeah like i just um my initial thoughts when it came out was is not not just disappointment and also concern definitely concern for the victim because like when i heard there was a video or an audio i was like i'm not gonna listen to that i don't i don't need that in my life i don't need that in my conscience and mm-hmm. but like Another thing for me is like, you know, it's so hard to become a professional footballer, especially Manchester United. It's like one in a million, literally like one in a million. Mm-hmm. And you've just allowed that one moment of call it ego trip or uh, however you want to call that. It's it's just like, it's like, dude, what are you doing? Like, what are you doing? Not only, I mean, obviously you shouldn't do that to anyone, bottom line. Like there's a morality that everyone should have and he clearly doesn't have that. And but secondly, like as a, as someone you understand that you're a young man of an 18, 19 years old, you've worked so hard to get to this level and you're going to blow it away because of this one moment of stupidity. Like, you know, it, like Benjamin Mendy, perfect example. Like the, the, the man's a serial rapist. Like what the fuck? Like it's, it's kind of, it's really sad to see all of this happening is that, and then I, I begin to wonder is that, is it because you get all the success, all this money, you just think you're the king of the world and you deserve to have whatever you want. And I'm, you know what I mean? Like, well, there's 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 always you know like um it's like i don't think like i don't know if there's a pattern kind of thing right like in yeah. that yeah. but i i do think some i i do agree in some sense that like you know when you when you get to when you get to a point of kind of like stardom so to speak or like success mm-hmm. then yeah there must be some sort of ego thing where you're like yeah i can do what i want and i will not face any consequences um kind of thing you know because you know, this wasn't this wasn't kind of like a one-off thing. Like the fact that like the the girl um, um, knew like or had the kind of clarity in mind to make that recording because apparently the recording is is long yeah. and it's just a snippet of it and it's like okay, cool. So you kind of knew this was coming, which yeah. means that like you know this has happened before or whatever. And it's like yeah. So then in that in that sense, like I think there's some truth to the idea that like when someone gets to a certain level, then they think, you know, you can do what they want with, without any ramifications kind of thing. 
But then on the other hand, you know, you see someone like Rashford, for example, or mm. you see someone like Jay Ling, who, you know, dudes just, oh, okay. Okay. There are two different examples. So, yeah. you know, you have Jay Ling's who stays quiet, just has fun. Yeah. And then you have someone like Rashford who stays quiet on, on kind of like the social front, but does other things on, in, on, on the kind of sort of, I don't want to say political front, but like kind yeah. of in, in, in that realm, so to speak, you know, he cares about, you know, he grew up, he grew up working class. He grew up um, difficult and he doesn't want other people to face the same issues or he wants to alleviate some of those pains. So he works towards that. Yeah. You know, they, and, and these are top athletes, rich athletes who probably can get away with a lot of things and they don't, you know, they either go about it positively or are just neutral and just like dudes living life. Like that's, you know, yeah. there are options kind of thing. And it's not, um, you know, it's not always like you don't like the choice isn't just to be a dick. Yeah. yeah yeah i mean that's so well put i mean i that, that that's why i begin to wonder now that i know they definitely have media training they have like an hr per, or a pr person that comes and is like this is how you talk in front of media this is what you should be doing on social media this is what you should be doing you know whenever there's cameras around mm -hmm. and like i know they get that training but i wonder if they if they get any training from the hr part what says this is how you should behave because all you've known your entire life is to be a footballer and to become a professional, whereas the rest of us, I mean, granted, I'm not saying they're devoid of, mor of morality. Not, I don't. They're devoid of any ethical training. I'm not saying they they don't get that, but uh, no one teaches you how to be a professional and all the responsibility and even finances and power it comes with, and how it could inflate your ego. Let's say, and right. Sometimes I wonder. I kind of hope that an incident like this brings about that kind of change. It's like we need to teach these players how to be gentlemen at the end of the day, you know, how to be, right. you know, comport yeah, I think they, they, no, absolutely. And you know, when you, when you talk about footballers, right, like they're always like, especially young footballers, like the, they're always talking about how like, Oh, like for example, with, with Marcus, with, with Rashford, mm -hmm. um, uh, what was it? It's like on his debut, his champions league debut, he scored. Right. Yeah. And it's like, Oh yeah. The next day he had to go back to school. And it's like, they talk about kind of like, um, how these young players have to balance, um, you know, the, the career as well as the, the option, yeah. so to speak. Yeah. So the focus is always about productivity. Right. It's never about how are they being built as people. Yeah, exactly. They're, they're kind and of treated as like machines. Exactly. So, well, not... I don't. I don't want to say that they're treated as machines, but I think okay, it's more. Okay. Again, it, it's it's more of a structural thing where it's like, okay, what do we have to focus on? It's like we have to focus on their success as an athlete and their path towards that, or mm -hmm. another path productively. Um, if they can't be an athlete, so they'll go to school and they'll they'll work in an office, so they'll do something like that. So it's it's always about the job. Yeah. It's it's there's not much focus about the human being yeah yeah i mean like i mean i remember years ago they the biggest concern about athletes was what they do after they retire and then it's something like 40 mm percent -hmm. of professional athletes go like a good like not 40 percent, but like a huge number of them go broke four years after retiring because they just don't know what mm -hmm. to do with that money and mm -hmm. 
And now there's like systems in place to teach them. No, you invest, you keep that money going, you stay sustainable. Mm -hmm. uh, you, you know what I mean? Like now they have that, but now I feel like they need to implement something like this. So you right. teach these guys, like you can't be doing this, you know, like this is, a, yeah. this is illegal. And then B, I mean, like, again, the lesser city thing in Thailand, remember that? Like, <laughs> yeah, you know, it's like, well, yeah, no, for sure. And, 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 you know, it's, it's across sports too, right? Like, you yeah. know, like, it's it's in basketball it's in american football i'm sure it's in hockey and all the other things too and it's like you know and i think it's it's and and it exists outside of sports too you know like people yeah. in you know the kind of like uh i don't know the stereotype in like corporate culture like people in finance or people who work in sales are kind of like yeah you know misogynistic cokeheads or whatever like um so and i think i do think that's kind of like the way uh, not to be too like joker about it, but like, that's how society is it's kind of like, yeah. how can you contribute to society productively? I E money wise, how do you, how do you, how can you create value? But then it, it's, there's very little focus on how can you create value as a human being? Yeah. Yeah. I, I totally agree. Um, like I, I was just thinking about this the other day where universities initially were created to, I mean, this is a very uh, Euro-Christian uh, point of view, so it obviously excludes anyone who is not white or Christian. But mm. the idea of universities were to take uh, take a young man, obviously this is men only, uh, take a young Christian man and how to make him the most idea, the most ideal, perfect man to contribute back in society, not financially, but socially. Uh, that was mm. sort of the idea of university to begin with. And and now everything's shifted towards economics and how to contribute to the economy and so on and so forth. Right. And exactly. Yeah. So I think, I think they need that in sports. And I think, uh, I mean, we're always hearing stories, not just in soccer, but in other sports where like a lot of these athletes are doing very questionable things. And it, to me, it's like, it's either there's a, there's something amiss happening at home with the parents who are not conveying this information to them, or, uh, there's just, people within the system of sports, not like really hammering this down. It's like, hey, listen, you will be in public, you'll be in a public light and you need to behave a certain way. You need to be contributing back to society. I guess Marcus Rashford is the perfect example of that. It's like, look what he's doing with his finances. He wants to leave yeah. a legacy that isn't just about football, that he wants, you know, he, he's empathetic and be more like right. him. Uh, right. But then, I, I, then we're going, and then we'll get into this debate of nature versus nurture. And I don't think we need to go there, <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but yeah, it's just, it's, it's disappointing. It's really disappointing that this is, this happened and that someone had to suffer from this. And it's just, yeah, it, it saddens me really. Yeah. Like, uh, like the kind of, to kind of maybe like lighten the mood a bit. And it's like, yeah, yeah, please know, do. one of the things I said, one of the things I said to uh, one of my United friends was like, well, at least we got Elanga, you know, um, <laughs> who has been doing well and is also young and is working hard hopefully is not, you know, a person beater or like doesn't beat people. I, yeah, hope. I hope, you know, only beat them on the wings or like, <laughs> yeah. defense or whatever kind of thing. Like, yeah, I know I don't mind like Elanga, Rashford, Sancho, you know, that, but, that's a decent trio. What about Ronaldo? Like those three in behind Ronaldo, like that yeah. sounds good. That sounds also, really good. Also, I, I just kind of like, I think maybe if, if it were up to me, yes, it'd be Sancho Rashford, Cavani, Ronaldo. Huh. Well, I like... love Eddie. I, yeah. I genuinely love him. Like, he's a good and, guy. You know, I, he's, he's, and like, you know, I love how like, he, like he's, I, I don't think he speaks very good English or he's not very confident with it. So he, he never really 
mm-hmm. um, like speaks it in interviews and whatnot. But like, you know, he knows his songs and he even posts on his Instagram like a video of United fans singing like his songs because we have two of them. Like mm. there's one that's like, uh, give it, give it, give it to Eddie Cavani. There's that's that one. one. And that's then one. The, the, I, the, my, the one that I like better is the, uh, like, uh-oh. Fuck, how does it go? Uh, so you don't like Cavani. I see what it, I see how it is. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but like, no, I get oh, it. Like, shit, yeah, no, yeah. But yeah, the, the one, and then, you know, he always appreciates that. And he always like, he works hard every game. Like, um, fuck, what, which game was it this year? Oh, the Villarreal one, the one that we want, uh, one of the ones that we wanted in injury time. Yeah. Um, you know, Fred put the ball in and then uh, Lingard touched it to Loraldo. Before Fred had that ball, Cavani ran 30 yards yes. to get the ball from the corner flag. I remember. To, yes. Yeah. And it's like, you know, man's 34, 35, like doing that in the 90th minute, like hell yeah. Yeah, I, I think hell I yeah. think I think United United need to if they're gonna buy superstars, they need to buy stars like Cavani. Cause I feel like Ronaldo makes it a lot about him, and I feel like that's disrupting the Again, the, the ecosystem of the dressing room. That's, I get that's what the vibe I'm getting. Maybe I'm wrong, but I don't know. I, I think yeah, I, need... I think I would I would disagree on that because okay. like if you if you th- if you if you look at kind of like the the people who have um, played with Ronaldo, like none of them has ever said anything bad about it, right? What if they like... get sued? <laughs> <laughs> I get I get that. Like I I do understand what you're saying though, because when yeah. you watch the game. He does make it about him. You know, yes. like if the pass isn't perfect, he complains. If they take a shot instead of passing to him, he complains. Yes. Um, you know, or like, um, what was the game? Oh, the game where McTominay scored like a banger. He took a, a bad touch and that put it in front of McTominay and then he smacked it and he kind of like just put his hand up being like, yeah, I, I made the pass. And it's like, no, bro, it came off your foot. So like, I get that. That's, you know, that's that the vibe he gives off is that he, yeah. It's a, he is, but then I see it as like, you know, he's, he is a winner. He just wants to win. He wants to play all the time and he wants to succeed all the time. But I think the way it translates, at least like maybe not on the pitch when we see it on TV, but like in the training ground or like in the, in the dressing room and stuff, I think it actually lifts people. Okay. Like, I think he's one of those people um, who are like, you know, Yes, it gets frustrating, and yes, he is a narcissist. He probably is, but it works. It has worked for him. That's you know? fair. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it's got him to where he needs to go. Um, it's gotten his clubs a lot of trophies. Yeah, um, let me know? look at Real so, Madrid. He brought them back yeah, to glory. Exactly, and like you know, and and if you talk about kind of like all these young players, like. Rashford probably looked up to him. Neymar probably looked up to it. Mm. Okay, not Neymar is not a young player, but you get what I mean. Yeah. Um, you know, like the amount of people that do the shoe celebrations is insane. Yeah, he trademarked you know I mean? a celebrate. He trademarked <laughs> a celebration. It's kind of uncanny. Like no one has done that. It's, no, exactly. It's kind of like you know that's that's uh, um, you know and 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 for like all their like uh, publicized beef or whatever. I'm sure we're not. Uh, Rooney loves Ronaldo because yeah. they're probably both winners who just want the best for themselves and for it's like that invisible hand bullshit where it's like yeah if Ronaldo does well 
everything around him will do well too kind of thing mm, maybe I see that. it's not it's not so uh apparent with his last with Juventus and with United now yeah. but it goes back to the Pogba problem it's kind of like yeah you can't you know put earrings on a turd and call it like a pretty woman or something yeah I, that's not the right saying but you get what i, mean. <laughs> I know what you mean no i i, I yeah. see what you mean it's uh that's fair i mean I, at the end of the day, what you think of Ronaldo, it's really about your personality and how, what kind of yeah. ideal footballer you enjoy, you know? And yeah. that's, and I, I'm a Messi guy. I think Messi is the GOAT. Oh, okay. Like, okay. Even though, even though I'm a, you know, I'm, I'm United through and through, I, I, I'm, I'm a romantic. Yeah. So I watch football and I like, I like what Messi looks like more. Mm. It's, it's more poetic. It, it's more fluid like ronaldo is very mechanical is very powerful it's very direct whereas messi it's like it's it's like music it's like dancing it's like it's silky and yeah exactly it's it's nice to look at it's kind of like yeah you know when he put fucking boateng on his ass that was oh, like still the know, funniest everyone thing. at the bar just jumped that's that's insane every time i watch and that clip the i always finish laugh. was a chip like my a chip God. over the, the greatest, like the best goalkeeper of that year, like yeah, yeah six foot four, six foot four, Manuel Neuer oh, got chip, just got, insane. I'm just reliving. I'm reliving. I'm reliving that moment, and I'm just it's it's one of the greatest moments of football history in my in what I've witnessed live. I'm like it's just yeah. He, when he did that to Neuer, I mean to Boateng, I just couldn't stop laughing. I'm like, also Boateng was not just anybody. He was no like, the best, no, exactly one of the exactly. best center backs at the time. And yeah. it's just, it's hilarious. He, even Boateng admits, like, I kind of laugh when I watch that now. He's like, I just, there's nothing you could yeah. do. <laughs> no, exactly. And, and you know, sometimes that's the thing. Sometimes you got to do that. It's like, you know, um, it happened at Old Trafford with Phenomeno. It happened yes. at Bernabeu with Ronaldinho. Yes. You know, like, sometimes when when someone is too good, you just like, yeah, they're good. <laughs> what, are, what, are you gonna, what do you want me to do? I can't do fuck all. It's undeniable. Just good. It's just yeah, undeniable. Exactly. Um, exactly. The fact that you like Messi tells me a lot that you are genuine football fans. So that's good to know. <laughs> and um, so Hishal, we've been pushing over an hour, which I'm, okay, okay. But it's good because, like, like I said, like, uh, uh, you know, I love talking about football. I not just football, just anything. I love talking about anything with you because I feel like we can go for hours. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. Which would probably be for another podcast episode, that's for sure. And sure. But bef- before I go, let's. I gotta ask you two more questions, which I'm gonna make it a regular yeah. for anyone who comes on. Uh, yeah. So first question: What venue besides Old Trafford would you want to watch a game that's on top of your bucket list besides Old Trafford? Uh, Bombonera. Oh yeah, yeah. Good answer. Okay. Uh, yeah, yeah. It's kind of like that. Yeah, I don't even need to explain that. It's like I just watch YouTube videos of that. I totally agree. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, actually, explain why. Oh, actually, you know what? Um, oh, change it so, answer. Okay, no, uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna put two. So Bombonera is because you know River and Boca. That's that's just mm. that's a folklore, you know, in in football. That Same. is one of the one of the kind of like grails. That's that's like, one of my answers. You know, yeah. Yeah. Um, and actually, I should put also Celtic Park um, up there. Yes, that's also one of my answers. Yes, that I feel like would be more kind of like realistic because you know uh, I don't speak uh, no hablas español. You know, like so <laughs> yeah, yeah, if yeah. I go to Scotland, I feel like I'll be able to like survive better. But um, Celtic Park, like you know, on a European night, yes. seems insane. Yes, that was I was just having this conversation with someone the other day where he was asking me like, where would you like? 
what venue, what match would you like top your bucket list? I was like Celtic Park, European night. Hands mm-hmm. down. Besides Anfield at yeah. European night, Celtic Park at a European night. There's something incredibly special about that venue. And the fans just make it insane that you got yeah. to be there. Yeah. And Celtic are, you know, if you're if you're kind of if you kind of like uh politically aligned with like leftist values or whatever, well, Celtic is up there with that, you know. So mm. like it's it's a cool club. It's um, a very cool club. You know, yeah, they get they get fined for flying Palest- uh, Palestinian uh flags and yes. they don't care, they just do it anyway. Yeah, like, I, hell yeah, that's that's my people kind of thing, you know. <laughs> I think season two of this podcast, I covered uh Darby's and uh the Glasgow Derby. I had, I was like, it's you got to talk about that all the time. It's just the perfect, absolutely, the perfect dualities of life when you really think about absolutely. it. Uh, absolutely, absolutely. And um, so the game. So what's the, so what's the big game that's top of your bucket list? Like big Derby or big classic matchup? What what have you? Well, you know, I because when you said this question, I immediately thought Bombonera. So then obviously River and Boca. But again. With Old Trafford, not, I mean, they're with... not they're not um, teams I follow, so I'm okay. not going to pick that. Okay. So then, yeah, it was a shout out. Um, yeah, exactly, exactly. But uh, if it's current time, not United Liverpool, because we're going to get spanked. So I don't want any of that. <laughs> okay. None of that. Um, so actually, maybe maybe actually Celtic and Rangers. Oh, okay, yeah, because Rangers yeah. are back, so that's true. Rangers are exactly, and they got they got Diallo, they got Ahmad, who scored in his debut. Mm. Love Ahmad, he's great. Um, and you know, Celtic Park, Celtic Rangers game, maybe not European night, but European night, Celtic Park, Celtic versus Rangers, that would be oh. like tick tick tick. You know, that's an apocalyptic. That's an apocalyptic match. If uh, if it was like a Euro- yeah. it was a Champions League final and it's a Glasgow derby, it's it's like. Glasgow will cease to exist at the end of that yeah. match. No, um, exactly. That's uh, I like your answer. Or, man. or uh, maybe maybe Dortmund European night wouldn't be Ooh, bad. Either. The yellow wall, yeah. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Uh, uh, yeah, you know what? Like, I I love your answers because those are definitely my answers. Because I want to go see a uh, super classico in Argentina, and I definitely want to go watch just any Celtic game on a European night, or even just any Celtic game. I would definitely go and yeah. watch. Because uh, yeah. I, I think Celtic Park is it's such a fabled stadium, and yeah. for any like a soccer pilgrim, that's like that should be at the top of your bucket list. Absolutely, I think yeah. if I if I could redo my life again, I would have done uh, an exchange in Glasgow just for that. Oh man, yeah. Uh, my biggest regret was not going on exchange because I could have gone to London, and I just was too lazy to figure it out. And oh man, big regret. That would have been sick. Big regret. I could have gone to, I had a choice of Edinburgh, but it was the only ticket business students. And I'm like, oh, these filthy capitalists. Mm. I can't go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. (laughs) But anyway. But um, I mean, you'd be in Scotland. You'd be making fun of them, uh, you know, alongside the Celtic fans. That would have been fine too. Yeah. I I mean, I've been to Scotland and I, and I, I love that country so much. I, I mean, granted, I've only seen the Highlands at Edinburgh. I didn't really go. I didn't go. I mean, the only city was Edinburgh. I didn't go to Dundee. I didn't go to, uh, Glasgow, uh, there's other cities I'm blanking out right now that I haven't gone, but my impression of Scottish people have been overwhelmingly positive. And especially if I say I'm Canadian, they're like way nicer to you if you're Canadian. <laughs> they like, they just like immediately love you. Like at first they talk to me, they're like, oh, it's an, they're like, are you American? I'm like, no, I'm Canadian. They're like, oh my God, there's a lot of Scottish in Canada. I'm like, yeah, there's a lot of you. <laughs> yeah. 
I, I love the accent. I'd, I'd like to think I could fake a Scottish accent. Uh, <laughs> so that, that didn't sound too bad. <laughs> I, I, uh, I used to do it like um, in first year of uni. I used to be like, yeah, I grew up in Glasgow. There's not, there's not, there's not very many Asians in Glasgow. No, you're right. That's, that's, that's correct. Yeah. Uh, wait, before I go, there's one time I met a guy at university and uh, he's like this Lebanese guy, but like born and raised in Montreal. And he was dating this girl from, he was dating this American girl and he convinced her that he's Australian. So he created this entire story that he's from Melbourne and he's been dating this girl for, when I met him, he's been dating this girl for two weeks and she still believes that he's Australian. And I'm like, bro, you're in too deep now. You're way in too deep. Like you, you should have cut it like maybe two hours into that conversation. But like, oh man. Yeah, or after the first night or something, he's like, hey, I just got to be straight with you. I'm actually not Australian. Yeah, but oh, yeah, I know exactly. I was just like, I remember, I remember just talking to this guy. I'm like, dude, you're screwed. It's, it's not gonna end well. This is not gonna end well. But anyway, uh, uh, hey, Sean, thank you again for coming on. Uh, yeah, of course. I'm Thanks really for happy. having me. Of course, like I said, I'm just. I always love talking to you. You're one of my favorite people to talk to. And that's very nice to see. You. Thank you. Yeah, I'm not just saying off on the podcast. Like I genuinely like talking to you. <laughs> it's always it's always a good time. And um. Anything, any last parting words that you want to leave or um, before I, before I uh, log off or shut this off? Uh, I hope FSG does not extend Salah and he goes somewhere <laughs> else and does uh, beats Liverpool in the Champions League final. Well, I hope Salah, if they don't, if they don't resign Salah, I hope he comes to Montreal. That, that's all I can hope for. <laughs> anyway. No, um, he'll go to PSG. Oh, oh. Mbappe is gone. Yeah. yeah. Most likely. And um, yeah. so everyone... Everyone listening, thank you for being audience. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of Soccer Pilgrim with uh, Heishal and this season of Manchester United. Uh, don't forget to follow and subscribe Soccer Pilgrim on Spotify and on Instagram. And like always, thank you for being audience from Montreal. Thank you. This is Soccer Pilgrim.